All right, episode eight, you're having staff turnover. Today, I give you five reasons why this is happening in your office. For all my cold start people, we're going to be talking about managed care. Should you take it? Should you pass it by? We'll talk about myopia management, and then we have my closing thought of the day, Ultimate OD Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to Optometry, the ultimate OD podcast, building better doctors one episode at a time. Here's your host, optometrist and practice owner, Dr. Nick Lilly. All right, episode eight, friends, here we go again. Last week, we talked about the office meeting and we were talking about staff. How do you get everyone on the same page? How do you get them productive? How do you sell your message? All right, this week, we're still focusing on staff, but I want to be a little more personal Talk about the individual staff members, all right? I don't know about you guys, but I have staff turnover. It just happens. Sometimes I can't control it, all right? So one of my staff members moves, you can't stop that, or a spouse or boyfriend, they get a job somewhere else, they're going with them. Again, there's not much I can do about that. I've had staff members that have kids, they have a second kid, daycare is expensive, they want to be home with the kids. Again, these are things that we cannot control. But I think there are five things, five areas at least, that we could be better at that can help keep the staff around. So if they do leave, you look yourself in the mirror and say, I did everything I could with this job to keep them here. All right. So let's go over these five areas to maximize our staff's ability to be happy, to be high performers, and to stay around for as long as we possibly can keep them. All right. The first thing I want to talk about is, is the job that they are hired for what they are doing? I think sometimes when we interview staff members, we're in a time of need. Like someone left and we're like, we're super busy. We need to get someone in here. So we make exceptions. Like they're close enough. Their personality kind of fits what I want to do. So we bring them in. All right. And then after we bring them in, we realize they're not necessarily as good at being an optician. And that's what we're hiring for. But they're really good at front desk. Well, if they were hired thinking they're going to be an optical, they're going to be doing you know, dispensing of glasses, helping pick out frames, but you put them on the phones the whole time, that's going to be a cause for conflict. All right. So I think the first thing we need to do is make sure you are very specific for what you're hiring for, convey this to the person you're hiring, and then follow through with it. If you get to a point where you're seeing that they're not great at what you want them to do, but you see skills and abilities in another area, you got to have that conversation. If you just pull rank and move them to the other, other spot, there's a good chance they may be like, this isn't why you hired me. This isn't what I signed on for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of here. Or I'm going to start looking around other places. So that first part is make sure you start off on the right foot. Explain what you want them to do. Make sure you're helping them do that. And if it's not working out, have that conversation. Sometimes if you just switch them, they may not realize they weren't good at being an optician. So the more clarity and transparency you can have with the staff members, I think the better off we'll be. And do that right from the get-go, all right? Number two, this is a two-fold thing. Number one is support, all right? We talked about this in episode six when we were delegating to our staff roles that you want them to do. It's easy to say to your office manager, I want to increase efficiency. I want workups to be done at this, this rate in 10 minutes or less. I want you to book at least 16 patients a day or, you know, pick your parameters and then just tell them to go do it, but then don't give them any tools to do this. Yeah, you're doing 16 patients a day, but I don't want you double booking here, or you limit their ability to 
train the staff, right? You want a 10-minute workup, but you can't cut out any of the tests that you want? That's not going to work out. So make sure that you're giving them the support to achieve the goals you want them to achieve, right? And by doing this, you have to give them some kind of power, right? Hey, you have to get better at workups, but you can adjust whatever you need to. There's these five tests that have to be done. Get those done, but I don't care how you do anything else, all right? Give them the ability to make the change, and if they're struggling, you got to be there to pick them up help them out, even support them in training the staff. Sometimes if you're asking them to do things, they're new to it. They have no idea what's going on. You have to be there to help them achieve what they want to achieve. Have you ever been in a position where you're told to get something done and you get no direction at all? Honestly, if if us optometrists, the practice owners in that, that's what we do every day, right? But a lot of the people need some kind of structure and support to get this done. So realize not everyone's like you. And that could be why we're not giving the support that we we should. It's because us individually, we don't need it, right? But I really think your managers, your staff need a clear and concise support system to get things done. They lack that. They feel like they're floundering or they feel like they're probably not achieving what they should. They're going to be insecure. They're going to start looking elsewhere. All right. Now, On top of that is you have to give appreciation. I thought a casual at the end of the day, hey, great job, good job today, you're doing awesome, keep it going, right? And then throughout the day, hey, good job in optical, but make sure you remember to talk about the pair 50 or make sure you talk about the non-glare coating with every patient. I found that those little reminders come across as really negative or they're getting criticized. Or every time they came out of an optical or off a phone call, even though I thought I was just giving them little bits of advice, trying to help them be better at their job, they start as very critical and like I was coming down on them. So I wasn't giving them enough praise and they really wears on my staff. So I'm very conscious now that if there's any of those little tidbits that I want to get them better at, I do it as a whole at the office meeting. If there's an individual thing, I'll go through my office manager. I find that me personally, they just take the doctors talking to me about this. They take it very seriously. The office manager, maybe a little softer, a little more on their level, can give the same bit of advice, get a little more productivity out of them and have it stick versus they just think they're getting yelled at by me. Right? The other thing is for every criticism you give them, in my mind, I have to give them three good jobs. It can be something as simple as, hey, good job with that patient or Great job on that phone call, but it has to be in the moment and it has to be specific. If you have a casual, you did great today, they, they don't take it to heart. It's not really going to resonate with them. So make sure that you're giving them praise, limiting the criticism. And if you do need to criticize, go through another avenue. Have your office manager do it. Don't do it directly. That's just something that's really helped me. Hopefully it can help you. The next thing I think is the biggest thing to having a successful, happy staff. And that's having a work-life balance. This is incredibly hard in the offices that we run because we are catering to families. And guess what? Families want after school and evenings. They want weekends as well. Know what your staff doesn't want? After school, evenings, or weekends. So there has to be a balance. In my office, when I first started out, it was really easy for me because I had no family, no kids, no wife. I could work all day, every day. I had nothing else going on. I had a lot of staff turnover in those early years because they just ground them to the ground. They couldn't keep up with me because they had other things going on in their life. And I get it now. I didn't at the time. 
Like you, no one just wants to work. But what I've done is instead of working every Saturday, initially I went to one Saturday a month, which was better. People appreciated that. But then I did a kind of a test run and I added a couple seven o'clock appointments or seven o'clock nights, right? In those nights, because I did that every month, every day, I could see more patients get more happy patients, happy staff by doing that one night a week and having no Saturdays. So you can do this in your normal schedule and your staff will be happier for it because believe me, protect the weekends. We work seven o'clock on Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday till six. I let them get out at noon on Fridays. This works in my office, but find a way to get as much evening time as you can. Give them a three-day weekend or a longer weekend and they'll grind for you through the week. It kind of gets a little tiring, but I'll tell you what, Fridays, they're good. They come in Monday, they're recharged. So find a way to have a good work-life balance for your staff. You have to be in business. You have to cater to the patients. But if you're grinding your staff, it's not going to work out. Find a way to make it work. Your office manager is the best one to talk to because they don't want to work all day every day either. So they're coming from a perspective of the staff member versus your perspective of keeping the business afloat, being really successful. Get that other perspective to be better for it. All right. The next thing. I don't think this is as big of a deal as all the other ones, but salary matters. Wage matters. You have to pay them enough to be functional. If you're just paying a minimum wage or $12 an hour, they're going to find something else. Before the pandemic, wages were high, jobs were available. So if you weren't paying a good rate, they'd leave. Now it's maybe a little harder to find a job, harder to find staff and employees because people are going where they're at, and they're just going to grind through until we have more certainty, right? But at a certain point, they're going to start looking for, can I make a little bit more, or can I get some benefits, not just salary per se, but pay time off, paid holidays, um, vacation time. Those things matter, all right? I will tell you this, though. I had a lot of staff members that have said to me, hey, I'm putting my two weeks. I just, I got to go somewhere else. And I've offered them more money. They stayed on for about two to three weeks and then they end up leaving anyways. It's never really a money thing. It always comes down to, you know what? I'll make a little less, but I get out at five. That's better for my family. That's better for my kids, my spouse. Work life matters. They will sacrifice some salary if you give them a better work environment. So consider that when you're doing your finances. Like You don't have to see as many patients if your overhead's a little bit lower. And that may mean not having as many evenings, all right? Just balance that out, but make sure you're consulting your staff of what they want. Now, the last thing is, do they have room for advancement? I'm a small office. I have four full-time staff members and an office manager, right? There's only so many people that can manage. There's only so many people that can do ordering and billing, right? But training them, all right? Everyone can get more training. ABO, there's contact lens training. I like to bring my office manager to Vision Expo West. I'm considering in the next two to three years getting a certain benchmark where if we do this much in a quarter, we're going to bring everyone to Vision Expo West. That'll go way further than any amount of bonus you can give because they feel like they're being trained for more. They're getting invested in. They're learning something. No one wants to just go and answer phones all day, right? But if you're teaching them how to be more efficient, have a better staff in general, like they're part of a team, part of a unit, that'll build cohesiveness, that'll give them more pride in what they're doing. 
it will be great for them to see other things in the industry too. So they see their little bubble, right? When you bring them to a Vision Expo West, they see that there's a million frames. There's all kinds of equipment, all kinds of things that other offices are doing. It gives them something to aspire to. You can kind of show them the light at the end of the tunnel. We're working to this, guys. This is the office we want to be. You do that, they're pumped up. They're going to work a little harder, and they're going to want to stick around to see the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So those are five things I think we can do to make our staff's lives better, to keep them around, and make us a better office overall. So try them out. Let me know what you think. Here we go. All right, all my future practice owners or practice owners that are just getting started, this is a new segment that we instituted about two weeks ago. This is called the cold start. This week, we're going to be talking about managed care. One of the questions that I asked a ton was, should I take this insurance or should I not? I'd ask my reps, I'd ask other doctors, and there's a lot of advice that you get that I think is wrong. So I'm going to tell you what I think, what I think works for me, and you should probably take with a grain of salt, but these are the facts from my perspective. I think every single plan gets a patient in your chair, all right? So I don't care if it's Davis, if it's Spectera, if it's IMED, you can have your views and beliefs on IMED and Luxottica, right? You can have your views and beliefs on Davis and the quality of product that they provide. It's gotten better. You can have your views on Spectera. But guess what, friends? When you start off, you have nobody in the chair, right? Would you rather have someone in the chair and make some kind of money or have nobody in the chair and do nothing? That's a simple question. And you, the doctors I talk to, don't consider this. They're still high up in thinking that, oh, I'm better than that, or they don't give me what my services are worth. Well, guess what? Managed care is not going anywhere. People choose their doctors based on the plans that you take. You think there's loyalty, there's not. The moment you don't take their insurance, I don't care how good you are, they're going where their insurance plan says they can go. So consider that. The other thing is, some of these crappy insurances, Davis, some Medicaid even, right? They're not always going to have them, all right? News alert, people change jobs. People's life situation changes. If you always take their insurance, they're always going to see you. That's something that seems to pass everyone by is you get someone in the chair, you're building a relationship, they like you, they want to see you, build the relationship, don't worry about the dollars and cents initially. Now, if you're so busy that you're turning away patients that are more profitable because you're taking a crappy insurance, I get it. But you're not there when you start off cold. Am I taking crazy pills? Am I the worst cold start ever? I had nobody in my chair. So any person that came in, if they gave me any kind of income, any kind of money, $1 is better than none. Unless I was taught wrong in school, this should not be no rocket science. But everyone I talk to has this high opinion of themselves and looks down on managed care. But guess what? You have to take it to start. So don't have pride. Learn these insurances. Once you get further on down the road, guess what? You can cut it. You can say, no, I'm not taking this. That'll be a great day in your life. I'm nine years in. Look at that. I'm nine years in, and I am not even to the point of cutting an insurance. There's some insurances I kind of frown upon, like, oh, man, here they go. But guess what? Even if they have a crappy insurance, they want a second pair. They have a friend that they tell 
that you're an awesome eye doctor and they come in and guess what? They don't have that insurance. So make sure you're doing the most to get people in your chair. This is the best way to market, the best way to grow. The person in your chair is the person that's going to tell two or three people that you're amazing or you suck, right? But the person that's not there can't hype you up at all. So get the patients in, take every plan that you can see, and when you get 10 years down the road, then you can be picky. You can say, I don't take this one, I don't take that one. We'll talk later about how to get the most out of managed care, but right now, I'll leave you with this. If you are not booking out two weeks in advance, you cannot say, I cannot take this plan. That's it. That's my opinion. Take it for what it's worth, but that's how you grow your office, having patients in your chair. All right, we hit that time, my friends. We're talking myopia management. I love it. I have good tidbits for you to take from this, so listen up. There was a great webinar put on by Art Optical last Tuesday, the 25th. It was awesome. If you listen to it, if you want to see it, I think it's on YouTube now, check it out. It was a great introduction to how to use topography for your ortho-K patients. It kind of outlined what is important and what I think I was missing. So the first thing I will give you from that is make sure you take time to get the first topographies correct. I was getting one or two of the first topographies and spending a lot of time on my follow-up visits. Well, guess what? The first topography is the one that matters because that's everything is based off of that. The initial lenses, all the following scans are predicated on getting that first one right. So I didn't know that. Do you know that when you're doing topography, the patient should be blinking every four seconds? Neither did I. All right. Tear film makes a big difference. If they just have their eye wide open and staring, you're not going to get good scans. So I thought that was important. The other thing is when you take multiple scans of the first one, you're looking for reproducibility. Again, I went back and looked at some of my early OSOK myopia management patients, and guess what? When I looked from scan one to scan two to scan three, huge amount of variability. I wasn't having them blink, and I didn't know this was so important. So check that out. I thought it was very important, uh, very good information. The other thing is, if a patient has moderate astigmatism, and you're wondering if OSOK is going to work, they suggested putting a spherical contact lens on the patient and letting them let you know how their vision is. I thought that was brilliant because if they're going to do that, you'll know if you need to look at a toric design, if you can even pursue ortho K with them, or if they're not that picky with uncorrected sill and they can be a patient that you might not have considered. So those were a little bit of nuggets that I took away from that webinar. Check it out. Our optical put it on. I was on their YouTube channel. Good information. The next thing is, I guess I'll get to the, the nuts and bolts of my actual patients. So I had a patient come in. We started off with ortho-K. Remember I did the dispense? Come Monday night, they were just done. They said, we're not doing ortho-K. It's not for us. She can't get in. She has too much anxiety. And I said, that's fine. Remember what our goal here is. Our goal is to give her the best vision possible, maximize her potential, and also to stop the lengthening of her eye. Ortho-K is merely one way of doing that. We have other options in our tool belt. So the point of that is you're going to have patients, if you think myopia management is ortho-K, you're going to fail because not everyone will do it. They want their money back if they can't do it and you're done. I had a patient that didn't like ortho-K. I reminded them of our goals and I told them about the other options. I charge a global fee. 
So I don't care if you're doing drops, if you're doing soft contact lenses, if you're doing ortho K, you're paying the same no matter what. The beauty of that is when they come in, they have these problems, that's fine, let's move to the next option. Now if I would have had a tiered system, the problem with that is one, say they're in the higher tier, you're giving them money back. Two, if they're in a lower tier and they wanna go to another option, are you gonna get more out of them if they've already failed? They've had a bad experience, maybe this isn't what they thought it was, right? So have a global fee, make sure you're on the same page of what your goals are. You get that out there and you're gonna be more successful. I have a second patient that came in and again, we're doing atropine. They didn't sleep enough for ortho K and they weren't confident that they could take care of the soft contact lenses. 12 year old patient, the mom knows her daughter. Put it that way, right? But guess what, we're in the program and I have the option, they have the option, down the road, six months, nine months, a year, you guys want to try this, it's all part of the program. And they're down with that. I also am going to be a little more aggressive with the people not doing ortho K to check their refraction. My goal is to give them 20-20 vision throughout the year. This was kind of an epiphany I had is, think about the patient that's a minus one, they go throughout the year, they come back, they're a minus two. For some point in that year, they were undercorrected by one diopter. Was that three months in, six months in? This affects learning. Parents don't want their kids not to be able to see. If you're going to tell your parents one thing, it's they can't see, they can't learn. This is why we have you come in so often. The moment there's a change of a half diopter or more, we're switching those lenses. Make your global fee worth it. Take care of your patients. Give them vision. I'm pumped up about this. I think it's starting to work. I'm getting some traction. At this point, I've had four consults, three or four consults. I'm hitting like 75%. 67% right now. I'm doing really good. The person that didn't go through with it, it was a financial thing. They have four kids that might need it. They just can't do this right now. And I'm in the middle of a pandemic. Imagine what's going to happen when we lay this foundation and times are good. So get the work in now. You'll be better 10 years down the road, five years down the road. All right. So that's my real world experience. I want to share something with you too. I told you, you have to set goals. You have to have dreams. Today I met with my lawyer. And I went over my goals for my current office and what I want to do with myopia management and further down the road with like this podcasting and stuff. It was awesome. It's really good to let people know your dreams. Let them know what you want to do because one, it holds you accountable. And two, there's so much information they can give you. Don't fight this battle alone. Send me an email. Send someone else an email. Talk to people that are where you want to be. People that are successful you think they don't want to help you? They didn't get there on their own. They want to give back. They want to help you out. Reach out. Tell me your dreams. Get the foundation started for where you want to go. Uh, it's not even my closing thought, but that's what I got for you. I love my opium management. I hope you take these nuggets, apply them to your office, be better for it. All right, friends, we've hit that time. It's time for my closing thought. Before I do that, I actually have an email question. I'm going to read that to you real quick. It says, hey, Nick, in episode seven, you talked about the office meeting. Who do you think should run that, the doc or the office manager? I think it's a very good question. I really think the office manager should be running it. Now, this means your office manager has to be the one that's managing the office. Right now, I'm so early in developing my office manager that I'm running all the meetings. I'm kind of leading by example. We're working on giving her portions and portions to lead. The problem is when she was leading everything, I don't think the point was getting across. 
So that's why I've done the hybrid model where I'm leading the meeting, but she's going back through it with them one-on-one. I'm trying to give her that rapport with the staff so she can lead the meeting in the future. So I think the doctor should be removed from a lot of that stuff. He should be the higher up that you go to for big picture things. But the office manager, in my mind, should be leading the meeting. They should be managing your office. All right, that being said, here's my closing thought. We are taught and ingrained in us that we need to grind, we need to go, we need to go, work harder. We work hard enough, we'll get what we want. Something I think that we miss in this is the recovery. Stress and then recovery. If you're lifting weights, if you're running, we need to recover. Your mind needs to relax. I don't think we put enough emphasis and time in the recovery and how to do that effectively. When you lay down in bed at night, is your mind racing? Or do you have the ability to just shut it off and relax, to think about something else, to leave work at work. Me either. But I'm working on this, and a lot of the books I've been reading, a lot of the talks I've been listening to about maximizing performance emphasize recovery. So this is a way that you can let the day-to-day go, tap into that unconscious mind. That's where all your thoughts, your ideas, your aspirations are hiding. Think about it. When you take a shower, you aren't thinking you're on autopilot. And you come up with great ideas. Think if you could do that on cue. This is the key to recovery. Find a way to shut your mind off, to relax, recharge. I think, I'm not quite there yet, but I think you'll be better for it. If you find a way, let me know. I'm trying to do this every day. Stress, recovery. Make sure you don't forget about the recovery part of life. Dr. Lily, out. We want to thank you for listening to today's episode and hope that you found a pearl to apply to your practice. We believe as a community, there is much wisdom to be shared. So if you have questions, suggestions, or requests, we want to know. Feel free to reach out to us via social media and leave a comment or email us at theultimateodpodcast at gmail.com so we can make this podcast even better for you. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll catch you again next week.